Hey, Curtain Future Onophiles, this is Hallie. And this is Adrian. And we are the, the Bottle, Bottle Blondes. Blonde. We think wine is delicious, but we know that learning about it can be pretty overwhelming. We use our love of comedy to make learning about wine fun and approachable because we are learning about it too. In improv, mistakes are gifts, and boy, are Ooh. we going to make some mistakes. So thanks for coming on this ride with us. You can find us on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, and SoundCloud at Bottle Blondes Wine. Give us a listen, and if you like our podcast, leave us a review. And for pictures of the wine we drink for the cast and our other adventures in wine, follow us on Instagram at Bottle Blondes Wine, all one word, and on Twitter at Blondes Wine. Thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening. Hello. Hello. Hi. How it's, are you? I'm good. Oh, How are you? Oh, great. Excellent. Just great. Just hanging out in garbage year 2020. <laughs> Trying well, to... That's okay because we're going to be talking about something that's not garbage. That's right. It's a delicious grape. Delicious grape. Beloved around the world. Goes by a couple, quite a few different names. Yeah. Has a lot of monikers. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a varietal. It's a blending partner. It's... Grenache. Wow. Do you like how we said that with panache? <laughs> uh, I think that's the episode name. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. We haven't oh, done yeah. copy for this one yet. Um, yes. Uh, Grenache, yeah. uh, as it's known in France and most of the New World and then in Spain as Garanacha. So one of the inspirations uh, for this episode, aside from uh, Grenache being one of our uh, collective favorite uh, varietals, mm. was that I was attending a tasting where there were some people who have done the Court of Master Sommeliers, and they talk about this thing called paradigms. Uh, and I was like, what the hell shapes. is that? <laughs> I was like, is it a shape? Is it a EDM group? Is it, a, is it a DJ I don't know about? Uh, is it a music festival? <laughs> the Paradigm Music Festival. <laughs> also a Jaw Rule joint venture. Uh, <laughs> Rip Fire Festival. Uh, anyway, so uh, a Paradigm is basically just the same uh, grape from different places and you kind of uh, evaluate uh, the differences, uh, nuances in the um, grape between where it's grown, because obviously things, uh, the terroir is going to affect the flavor profile of the grape. So looking at climate, looking at soil, uh, and, and all that jazz. All that jazz. So today we have picked the uh, four most popular regions for this grape, and we are going to kind of discuss what we see as the differences based yeah. off of where they're grown compare contrast um and also enjoy because if you don't like grenache you're a monster <laughs> go back under the bed you monster <laughs> um it's definitely one of the most beloved varietals uh, around the world and it's you know it's it's great on its own um it's also commonly used as a blending grape so a lot of those different expressions around the world are going to lend it to whether it's, you know, standalone as its individual varietal or if it's going to be blended and, um, you know, which regions call for that, which don't, which grapes it gets blended with in those um, regions where it is commonly used in the blend. All of those things are going to come up. We're going to talk about them and it's going to be great. Yeah. So just some pretty basic facts is this is a, a grape that needs a very warm climate. Uh, yeah. Uh, it's late ripening. It's got a tight bunch. <laughs> uh, tight package. It's got a tight package and it's a pretty heavy-duty wood canopy, so it's uh, which helps protect it from uh, the elements pretty well. But because it's a tight bunch, it's also pretty susceptible to uh, downy mildew, noble rot. Um, and this is a grape that's got uh, higher sugar. Uh, it's a little less uh, acidic and tannic than a lot of other red grapes, which is why it's most can sometimes more commonly used as a blending partner versus a varietal. Um, yeah. Yeah. It definitely, as it's ripening, it gets like really, really a lot of sugars, sugar content in the grape. Um, 
which leads to high alcohol wines. So Grenache is typically a high alcohol wine. Something that is interesting though is it just is very low tannin and it's very low acid. Um, and it's also, once you make it into wine, it's really, really prone to oxidization. So it's kind of, um, it's, it's hard to grow. It takes a lot of attention. And then it's also, you know, you gotta be really, really careful when you make it into a wine because people who are trying to extract the most amount of flavor and um, structure from it can actually, if you if you do it wrong or if you, it's too heavy-handed, you could really damage the grape and make it into a really garbage wine, which is which would be sad because it's so expressive and so fruity and delicious. Um, yeah, it's it's also really high yield, so you have to be really really controlled and careful about how much it's producing to make sure that you are getting the most flavor in those grapes as you possibly can. Yeah, it's um. It's a really interesting wine. It's really interesting to see what people do with it around the world. Yeah, it's it, and there, it really is such an expressive grape, depending on on place for sure. Uh, and that's what we are gonna get. Well, into. yeah, where are we gonna travel first? Well, we are going to go to uh, Grenache's motherland. Yeah, it is the uh, motherland where it is referred to as. Garnacha. Garnacha? I think it's just Garnacha. Garnacha. I feel like I'm like overthinking it. Because I think I'm you so are. <laughs> self-conscious about pronunciation issues. Well, we're so familiar with the name Grenache, which is from France, but Garnacha is the Spanish name, and it's also it's it's from Spain exactly. originally. So it we should we should have that burned into our mind a little bit <laughs> a little bit more. Yes. So yeah, Spain is where this was originally from. Uh, it's currently the third most planted variety after Tempranillo and Bobol, which is oh yeah, Bobol. I like Bobol. Yeah, I always forget about it. That's a real uh, Spanish work workhorse grape. Is a fun term that I see pop up a lot. This grape's a workhorse. <laughs> this grape's a workhorse. <laughs> uh, so we had already touched on uh, Grenache, Grenache a little bit in our uh, Spain episode. So we're just going to go a little bit more in depth here. Deeper. We're going deep into northeast Spain. Uh, So the kind of mother region for this is the uh, Aragon region. Which I just thought of, I just keep thinking of Lord of the Rings every time. I I know that's Aragorn, but. (laughs) You know, I made that connection as well. It's totally acceptable. So uh, Catalonia, this is a place where, uh, so Aragon and Catalonia are where it is mostly made uh, as a varietal. And it's also a really great grape that is uh, for rosé production because of the color it imparts. Um, One of the other regions is uh, Rioja, where it is primarily used as a blending partner with Tempranillo to kind of mellow out some of Tempranillo's really uh, tight tannins, Mm -hmm. give it a, a little bit more body. It's also grown in the Navarra region. They do a lot of rosé of the grape as well. Uh, and uh, styles from this region tend to be a little bit lighter body. You drink them young. So versatile. And then the kind of <clears throat> top tier, bougie, mm. uh, higher quality region is, it sounds so harsh. I wonder if I pronounce it right. Priorat? Yeah, I don't know. It's. It's a weird bundle of consonants. Yeah, it just <laughs> the sound, sounds yeah. really harsh coming out of my mouth. But it is definitely <laughs> one of the yeah, like you said, the top tier regions for the calls for really, really expensive Grenache. Yeah, and so Grenache. Yeah, me. so from Grenache from Priorat is you're gonna see a single. You're gonna see a lot of single varietal. Uh, the vines here are a lot older than in the other regions. But you're also going to see a lot of uh, Bordeaux-style blends coming from this region with huh. Grenache. So it's going to be like Merlot, Cab Sauv, Grenache. Grenache and, yeah. Uh, Grenache sounds like a disease that you might get in your lower region. <laughs> <Gross>. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so... <laughs> This, Sorry. No, no, no. It just caught me off guard with your, I think, what might have been an STD joke. It might have reference. been an STD joke. <laughs> might have been. Might have been an STD joke. Just talking about, you know, the classiest wine in Spain. And <laughs> and now, just going to counterbalance that with an STD joke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, we are going to probably be, because a Priorat is uh, very, pretty pricey, mm-hmm. pretty, pretty up there. We are going to be looking today at what I would consider a very classic example of a Spanish Grenache. It is from uh, Aragon, 
and it's gonna have these very classic flavors that you get with a Grenache, which is uh, raspberry, hibiscus, dried herbs, uh, a little clove, uh, and it's gonna be, Fun. I would say it's pretty jammy. I know we use jammy in respect to Zinfandel and Primitivo more often than with Grenache, but. And sometimes it can be um, kind of a, a negative when people say jammy, but I feel like jammy jam gets used as a descriptor for Grenache and Grenache um, because of how fruit forward it is. And I would say that it, it's true. When you drink it, you're like, okay, this is like a raspberry jam or a cherry jam or a strawberry. I think you're right on the money there. And I think an important distinction to make when you are, you know, the, when we're doing a tasting, you know, the first thing that you identify are the kind of fruit flavors. Mm -hmm. And then you move into those other things that people are like, what do you mean, tilled earth? You know? <laughs> But, hey, stick your yeah. stick your tongue in some potting soil. See what you find. Shit, we did it once. <laughs> uh, but I think a distinction to make when we're talking about that fruits is: is it a fresh fruit? Is it a yeah. dry? Is it a dried fruit? Is it a stewed fruit? Is it a pie fruit? Because fruit, like a strawberry, can taste multiple different ways. Yeah. You just don't say strawberry. So we're gonna see that, especially when we're looking across these different regions, how that first initial fruit flavor is gonna really uh, vary. So. It's a great point. So Aragon is going to be more of those uh, stewed fruits, I Hi. would probably say. Um, what We have a wine at number one here, which is from, oh boy, Calatayud, which is different than Catalonia. So there's some differences in that. So Cat, oh God, Calatayud is a in the Aragon and it's 91% uh, uh, Grenache production there. Okay. So this is from a vineyard, uh, Breck, or the wine is called Breca, and it's from the Bodega Breca vineyard. So this guy, his name is Jorge Orendoz, and he's got, uh, you know, vineyards all over different areas of Spain. He pretty much uh, was a pretty big player in reviving the Spanish wine market in the late 80s and 90s. Cool. He introduced Albarino from Rio Spacious. Ah, our favorite, <laughs> our favorite region to say. <laughs> Rhea Spacious. Um, so yeah, this is a guy that is very passionate about showing representation of the grape, and we're gonna just pop it open. Cool. Breca, very classic example. This is a big boy. This is fifteen point five percent alcohol. Holy guacamole! So I bet that this is this might be the most alcoholic. I think it is. One out of the ones we have today. Well, do tell. That's why they're there. <laughs> it smells big it's, and strong. It's, it is. It is stewed strawberry. It's candied orange. It's cedar. It's blueberry pie. Mmm. It's pretty, it's pretty intense. <clears throat> yeah, definitely getting that cedar note in there. I thought it would mellow out a little bit from yesterday, but it's still pretty... Whoa! Mm -hmm. Say goodnight to your mother for me. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's like a Marky, Mark Wahlberg wine to boot. It's it's a lot. It is a lot. I mean, it's a good, great with like a really, you know, big meal, like with a lot of grilled food, uh, grilled meats and things like that. But yeah, this is uh, not for the faint of heart. <laughs> yeah, this, this wine... Um, it's it's lovely, but it needs it needs food. This is not a this is not a sipping a sipping wine <laughs> for sure. This is a come riding in on your horse wine. <laughs> exactly. This is a strolling up to the United Airlines. Yeah. And telling them that you want a refund wine. Uh, yeah, you'll definitely Karen. grow some hair on yeah. your hair on your boobs with that one. <laughs> <laughs> um so the second wine that I have to kind of showcase the difference in place. So the region that I just mentioned is like a little bit more continental. It's hotter. Mm -hmm. It's more inland. This next one I have is a wine. It's called Espalt. And it is from Empored, which is from an area I'm calling the Nipple of Northeast Spain. Ah, Spain's nipple. I want to show you a picture of it, Adrian, because you're going to 100% agree with me here. It's... This little nip yep. up here. That's a little nip pointing out. <laughs> a little bit just above Catalonia. 
A little bit of, yeah, so uh, directly kind of north of uh, Barcelona, right up on the border there with, I think that's France. Geography, not a strong suit. It's just flashing France. <laughs> it is just flashing France. And this is an area that is not inland at all. This is very coastal, higher elevation. Uh, the soil there is going to be a little bit more loose. So uh, we're not going to have quite the concentration of the heavy stewed uh, fruit flavors there. So let's get in to this one. <clears throat> You'll also see garnacha with an X on the label Yeah, sometimes. I've noticed that. And I think it's just a different... I think it has to do with um, the Catalan kind of region. Mm -hmm. um, I wish I knew more about like actual like Spanish from Spain, but you know. Yeah, it's definitely I think like it's an like elder. A, a regional preference. It's a really pretty label. It is pretty. Uh, Importa. I feel like I'm saying yeah. Oh, it smells so herbal. Yeah. So this one is a lot. Uh, this one is like fresh plum, dried herbs, uh, that hibiscus. Hibiscus, uh, yeah. Some fresh blackberry. So not a. Yeah, kind of like when you're picking it right off of the vine and mm. you're kind of getting like the the smell of the blackberry and of the, the leaves and everything. I feel that. So this one is 14% alcohol, quite a bit less mm. than our other one. Way more approachable. Super, yeah, this one on the mouth we have like pomegranate, dried straw, a little black tea, a little sage. This one has a little bit higher acid. The tannins are medium, medium bodied, and it's a lot more firm. savory. Yeah, yeah. This is really, really delicious. I'd love to have it with like, some empanadas. Mmm. I haven't had an empanada. I haven't had a really empanada in a long time. This, I miss restaurants so much. It was, uh, <laughs> soon. Soon. Someday. Someday. Portland yeah. is, uh, we think, applying to be a phase one reopen. Yeah, we'll have to see. Um, this is delicious. It's definitely, like you said, more savory, more dried herbs. Um, that's interesting to see because they're kind of in the similar area, right? Yeah. Uh, well, let's see here. Um, like how far away apart are they? So, I don't know. Um, Mappily speaking. <laughs> <laughs> if I was Carmen Sandiegoing this journey... So here's the nipple here. Okay, then. And then uh, the Aragon is here. Oh, okay, that's way more so inland. So way... that's like kind of like the the tramp stamp. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it. Because <laughs> you know it's down, back, a little bit lower. It's true. Inland. It only shows when you bend over. <laughs> uh. So yeah, that's those are. Um, I wanted to, we're, we're only doing a single varietal today. We're not doing any, or wait, shout out to Puffins. No, no, no. I'm doing blends because um, once you get over into, the good thing though is that, and I'll, I'll talk about this later, um, depending on which region you're picking from in, in France, the Grenache production or the Grenache um, blend is usually really, really high. Mm -hmm. And then um, I did have a single varietal Grenache that was New World, and I drank it a while back, and then I was like, it'll be really easy to find another one, and then I just fucking couldn't. Yeah. So I, I have two Rhone blends, um, but they're both they're both uh, Grenache-dominant nice. blends. I, I think it'll be a good example. Yeah, um, and that's true. There is more, I think, blending in France mm -hmm. than there is in maybe Spain and some of the other places we're going to look at. So... That's the, the short skinny on, on Spanish, Granacha. Granacha. Yeah. I, you know, I've really never encountered such a, like, herbal Granacha. Um, so this, what is it, a spelt one is interesting. And when we get into this uh, Chateauneuf, you'll also kind of see something similar going on. Yeah, let's see. Oh, yeah, these are, um, the vines on this one are a little bit older as well. Uh, yeah. Delicious. Delicious delicious well moving straight away from spain into france which people often commonly associate with grenache um grenache is 
a really, really big grape here, uh, especially within the southern region, within the Rhone Valley. So the Rhone Valley is split up into north and south. The north predominantly grows Syrah and Viognier. Um, it hosts about eight out of the 17 Valleys Grand Cru's. Um, and then you move into the south, which is a little bit bigger uh, and makes pretty much predominantly blended grapes. Um, they definitely do, you know, reds, whites, and then they do rosé production as well. But Grenache in terms of red is like, that's the big star here. Um, that and Syrah, I would say. Um, so yeah, Grenache dominant blends are, are really, really prevalent here. And so the wines that most people recognize with Grenache um, in this region are going to be the Cote de Rhone's. So they can technically come from the north or the south, but um, the ones with Grenache in them are predominantly southern. So it's actually one of the oldest wine regions in France, the Cote de Rhone. And the wine, um, wine was actually introduced into southern France around 500 BC. So this is hella old wine. Ancient. <laughs> Ancient wine. Ancient. Um, and the most predominant appellations within the Southern Rhone area, we're going to be focusing on the Southern Rhone, are uh, Chateauneuf du Pape, which you've probably heard of. And even if you didn't know what it was, you're like, I am aware that this is an important wine. Yeah. Uh, we got the Cote de Rhone and the Cote de Rhone villages, which um, is really confusing to me. <laughs> um, villages are less pristine. Well, this isn't, there's, these are actually appellations. So there's oh, the Cote okay. de Rhone appellation and then there's the Cote de Rhone villages appellation. Okay, okay. Um, you've got the, and these are just the predominant ones. There's other ones as well. I don't know how to pronounce this. The Gigondas region? Gigondas. G Gigondas. Uh, I'm saying it in a Spanish way, but it's, it's a French region. Could also be an STD. <laughs> I've got the Gigondas. Don't get the Grenache and don't get the Gigondas. <laughs> Um, Muscat du Bon du Venise, uh, the Vaccaras. Uh, there's a bunch of other regions as well, but these are kind of the predominant ones in the Southern Rhone. Uh, like for example, the Tavel region known is known for rosé, um, which, like you said, Grenache makes an excellent rosé. Uh, but backing up, backing up a little bit, uh, we're gonna talk about Chateauneuf du Pape. Yes, this is up there with like uh, what are some other well-known, famous names? La Lafitte. Mm -hmm. Rothschild. Well, Chateauneuf du Pape is the region. Oh. Um, so it's... Right, those are producers. Yeah, those are producers. But yeah, it's it's right up along there with like really famous Bordeaux, really famous Burgundies. Um, it is a really, really world-renowned wine. And it is really, really uh, strictly controlled appellation that produces, due to the laws that Grenache and the other grapes are grown in, uh, produces really high-quality wine. So, like I said... The, the Southern Rhone's uh, wines are almost always blended, and Chateauneuf-du-Pape is, is not an exception to this. However, Chateauneuf-du-Pape um, usually has really, really high quantities of Grenache in its blend. A lot of the wines from there can range all from 90 to 100% Grenache with just like, with those under 100%, just a little bit of um, Syrah, Moved, uh, Cisnal, and others blended in there. So the name Chateauneuf-du-Pape literally means new castle of the Pope. <laughs> oh. And it refers to the 14th century when uh, Pope Clement V resided in the French city of Avignon. Um, I don't know why he was there. I guess because he was a Frenchman. He was like, I want to get out of Rome and I want to live. I want to live over <laughs> here for a while. So God has chosen me. I do what I fucking want. I do what I fucking want. <laughs> uh, we're going to grow some grapes here because I like to drink wine because I'm the Pope. Uh, and then it was succeeded by uh, by John the 22nd, I think. <laughs> who, oh, guys. Oh, my God, so Popes. A lot of Johns. <laughs> so many Johns. <sighs> so he built a summer house there and then continued to cultivate these vineyards. And then many, many moons later in the 20th century, the name Chateauneuf-du-Pape took hold. I don't know why it took that long. <laughs> seems really weird anyways um the wine here actually was sold predominantly to burgundy to kind of bolster their wines and it, it really wasn't until quite later until the 1970s when um quality focused producers really started to kind of take hold and transform the region which is you know the fact that it's so renowned now and the fact that it wasn't for i don't know anymore that like the last 50 years is really when chateauneuf du pape kind of became a thing um, and one really important factor of this region is the smooth little round rolled stones that are called galets. 
that are in this region and they're actually remnants of alpine glaciers and then they were broken up and kind of tumbled <laughs> in the Rhone River. So they actually, they're all around the, the Chateauneuf-du-Pop region and they help retain moisture in the soil and warmth as well um, because there is, there is clay and limestone soil but like you'll go there and you'll see just mostly stones or even soil there that is mostly stone, which is interesting. Um, so, moving onward. <laughs> um, something else that's interesting, that if you if you start to look at Chateauneuf-du-Pape, um, you'll notice that it has this embossed... Um, yeah, that bottle's embossed. That is hella embossed. <laughs> uh, there's a couple different insignias, and I'm not sure what the differences are. I think you'd have to get real wine nerdy to figure it out, but it'll always say Chateauneuf-du-Pape at the top, kind of near, just right below the neck, and then it'll have like an embossed, um, very official crest on it. And this actually happened because so, this union of owners in the Appalachian um, decided to introduce this kind of as a marketing scheme, but also as a way to promote the region, indicate quality, and prevent against counterfeiting because counterfeiting was a really, really big problem in Chateauneuf-du-Pape. Yeah, that's two two keys above what looks like a little uh, bas basket pope hat. That's a pope hat. A little pope hat. Okay. <laughs> It's a basket hat. Um, <laughs> one other fun fact is that it has some really weird laws uh, around UFOs and extraterrestrials, which what? I'm going to read for you right now because it's really fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that went from Jesus to... Jesus to the aliens. Some would argue what if Jesus is an alien. Just <laughs> as... Hey, that is a... Banger karaoke. That is a banger. It slaps. <laughs> um, so the vintage... I'm reading directly from the Wine Bible. The vintners of Chateauneuf-du-Pape have always been fastidious when it comes to creating laws that protect their vineyards. In a legendary 1954 municipal decree, they mandated the following. Article 1. The flying overhead landing and taking off of aeronautical machines called flying saucers or flying cigars or whatever nationality they may be... <laughs> Is strictly forbidden on the territory of the commune of Chateauneuf-du-Pape. And there's even a second article just saying that they're completely banned and that any flying saucers on the territory of Chateauneuf-du-Pape will be immediately taken off to jail. Okay, well, I don't think the fucking aliens care. I know! <laughs> and they are just going to invade and conquer wherever they feel like Clearly, it, that's, that's cute France. That's cute. Clearly they were <laughs> so into themselves that they thought the aliens might land and steal their wine which, I mean... And the only way to get rid of them was to escort them off the property. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, that's, oh boy. That's, that's a that's knee slapper. Just, yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah, so I don't know why those rules were drawn up in the 50s, but they were. Um, no, the, the 1950s? Well, no, that was like the, 19, the height. The height of like alien discovery, like yeah. Area 51 and stuff That's like that. a lot that. of like B-movies yeah. were coming out in Hollywood surrounding, you know. It just, that stuff. yeah, I don't know who was like, well, we really need to apply some of these laws to our just region. Just in case they're real. Just in case. <laughs> Anyways. Um, Thanks for getting this. Shouts enough to yeah, I splurged a little bit for this one. Um, this is a 2015, which is supposed to be a pretty good vintage. Um, 2016 is supposed to be exceptional, but 2015 is supposed to be good. And the ones before it, 2013 through 14, were just okay. So, um, This is from a producer called uh, Domaine de la Biscarelle. And it's, um, it was founded in 1984 by this man named Gerard Boyer. And he likes to make... Uh, He's really hands-off with his winemaking, likes to make sure that it's very expressive of the land, and then he also likes to keep his wines affordable, so this is obviously one of the higher-end ones. This cost around 40 bucks, which I said I mentioned I splurged for, um, which is like, I think if you're getting into Chateauneuf-du-Pape and you want a good Chateauneuf-du-Pape, that's kind of a good marker. Like, you're going to be looking in, like, the 30 to $50 range. If you're, like, really going, you know, balls to the wall, it's yeah. going to be way more expensive. But okay. you'll get a good one for about that price range. So I actually decanted this a little bit because um, when I took a sip earlier, it kind of punched me in the face. Yeah. So. This is going to be my, my first the first pop experience really yeah. oh that's so exciting yeah um you know. my 
my mom is a really big fan of, of Cote de Rhone, so she would kind of splurge on one every once in a while. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Smells luxuriant. It definitely opened up, thank God, because... <laughs> <laughs> so, wines from the Chateau neuf de pop region and from uh, Rhone blends from the Rhone Valley are definitely going to be pretty herbal. Um, they're not going to be quite as, like, juicy, but they're still going to be very strong and fruit-forward with those red fruits. Got a little, like, violet in this one oh, yeah. as well. <clears throat> kind of do... Uh... Get a little of that wet stone, mm -hmm. um, which is nice. Yeah, the, the galets. The galets. That was a big mama. Ooh, yeah, those tannins are a real tongue sucker. Yeah. Um, it feels like you got some, like, eucalyptus in there mm -hmm. and, like, um, yeah, baked plum. It's it's intense. It's definitely something you'd want with, a like I said, a rich heavy, intense meal. It's not just a sipper, but it's got so much character. I'm guessing this spends some time in oak? Um, this actually doesn't, and that's actually something that's pretty common with Grenache, um, especially in France, is it typically, like you can um, put it in some new oak that is sometimes done, but it's actually usually aged in concrete because uh, it's so prone to oxidization. That makers there don't want to take the chance. It just kind of has a little bit of um. It's spicy, it's, yeah. It's, a little, it's got a little hint like a vanilla, um, mm -hmm. like pie, like pie crusty, mm -hmm. which would make me think it's awesome oak. But you know that could just be purely the expression of that most of that you know mm -hmm. Grenache. Yeah, this um, Asian cement tanks for six to nine months, and then the soil of this wine is, is pebbles, clay, and sand, and the grapes are um they come from 50 to 100 year old mm. vines so it's probably why so much of that structure is there you wouldn't expect so much like tongue puckering from yeah. such a wine that's so fruit forward up front but it's actually a really nice i think a lot of like super jammy wines um not not calling this jammy but you know as we mentioned grenache mm -hmm. can sometimes have that they they're not the tannins are not nearly as um intense and oh, it's just interesting to have this kind of roller coaster experience in my mouth. Yeah, it almost kind of like burns the back of your nose a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's a 14.5%, so it's definitely high. Um, I mean, it's intense and it, it definitely just like screams like mm. intense, ancient, you know, French wine. <laughs> yeah, there's some licorice at the end there too. Yeah, hmm. yeah. So yeah, wow. that's Chateau Neuf du Pop. Damn. Damn. Hey, Adrian. Damn, Damn, girl. girl. You're that's welcome. It's <laughs> real good. Uh, All right. Um, shall we move on to uh, our next country? Oh, we're moving. We're moving on down south. Yay! We are moving to Italy. Uh, and we're mostly going to be concentrating uh, where it is celebrated and uh, places main grape, and that is Sardinia. Yay! So while it does grow in uh, main main country Italy, it's <laughs> uh, We're going to be focusing just on this. So in Italy, Grenache is called Cannonau. Yes, I love Cannonau. I love Cannonau oh too. God. It's <laughs> This is an experience. So, uh, Cannonau is lighter bodied than stuff from France or from Spain. Mm -hmm. It's more leathered fruits. Um, it's more meaty and gamey, mm. uh, savory, earthy, and the acidity is a little bit more uh, bumped up on these wines. Okay. So, Cannonau was brought to Sardinia by the Spanish because uh. it is from Spain, uh, as it was under the Arab. Aragonese Spanish rule from the 14th Aragon. Aragonese. Here we come. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. No, no. So I so it was under their rule for uh, from the 14th to the 18th century. Huh. So when I was taking my Italian wine scholar unit 2, what I didn't really realize was that Italy was barely unified as a country in the 1800s. Before wow. that it was 
the Kingdom of Sicily, the Kingdom of Sardinia, and it was owned by the Spanish, the French, the Austrians, like... Passed around like a hot potato. Yeah, that's what happens when you're a country completely surrounded by water. You yep. get invaded a shit ton. Yeah, you get fought over. You very fought over. So this land was occupied by the Spanish for literally four centuries, and that is how the grape kind of made it there. Uh, so this is a island climate, so it is. this is an area that's very, very windy. Mm -hmm. So even though it's very hot down there, the wind kind of helps moderate that hot temperature. Another thing that's really interesting is a lot of these uh, vines are grown arborello or bush style. Oh, okay. So typically we see, you know, when you go out to a vineyard in America. In America! <laughs> it's on wires, it's like on trellis. Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of different like vine training systems you can use. But the reason that they're low to the ground and kind of like hidden is because because it's so windy. Oh, okay. So you need that protection from the earth and also from Grenache's or Cannonau's, you know, wood, heavy wood cover to kind of protect it from the wind. Okay. So it also, the wind also really helps uh, moderate the humidity of a hotter kind of island climate. Uh, as we mentioned, this is a grape that's kind of susceptible to bunch rot. So this also sounds like an STD. <laughs> that, I'm pretty sure bunch rot is. <laughs> <laughs> oh god so this is, you know what i love about sardinia is that uh, international grape varieties play a very small role here so like this island really just focuses on its heritage and indigenous varieties and um <clears throat> quite lovely so cannonau is the most widely planted grape it is the flagship variety uh, and it's cultivated across the entire island and it's uh, largely bottled under the regional uh, designation Canano de Sardinia DOC. Mm -hmm. uh, it mostly grows in two provinces there. In the north, it's called Sassari. And in the central kind of eastern part of the island, it's Nero, I believe. And that's where half of the island's uh, plantings are. Sounds like the names of two models. <laughs> Sassari and Nero. God. They're both vying for the cover of Vogue. <laughs> um, so uh, wine from these two kind of areas has to be, or wine bottled under Canano de Sardinia needs to be 90% Cannonau. I did not write down the other blending grape because most of it is 100%. Uh, a lot of Italian wines are like, it needs to be this percentage, but most of the time it's, it's more. Uh, so Cannonau also grows in other parts of Italy, like I mentioned, uh, under different synonyms because that's Italy's jam is let's call the same goddamn grape 16 different things depending on where it's grown. Cool. Yeah. So in Tuscany, it's, uh, you'll hear it called Alicante in the Veneto, uh, to Cai Rosso and in Umbria, Gamay del Trasimo. That's confusing. Especially, yeah, cause it's not a Gamay, but, uh, <laughs> because it grows around uh, Lake Trasimo. So within the Cannonau de Sardinia region, there are a couple uh, subzones uh, that are available to you. Subzone. Sub, sub, subzone. Subwoofer. T-shirt cannon. Boop. <laughs> Come on down the subzone. <laughs> Get a hot sub and a cold sub for the price of one sub. Oh my god, I want a sub right now. That sounds so good. I miss oh. restaurants. <laughs> I miss restaurants. Uh, so there's three subzones for more distinctive sub uh, styles of Cannonau. And from north to south, those are Olina, Jerzu, Jer and Capo Ferrato. Yes, and they are. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's dive into a wine. Yay! So this is from a winery called Olianus, and this is a winery that they call Bio Integrale, which I'm assuming for us... Americans means it's biodynamic. That would make sense to me. <laughs> so um, because of the Albarello bush training system, these are all manually harvested. Uh, it's organic fertilizers. And you guys, yeah. you, you know I love a wine that's been, uh, the soil's been tilled by a horse. Yes! <laughs> so, horse wine. So I went to their website and I'm going to show you this picture afterwards, Adrian. I probably just should have had it pulled up so I could get your on-air reaction. But these, their cart horses at this winery look like the horse equivalent of a blonde California lifeguard. <laughs> <laughs> 
Like are they like the James Marsden of horses? Oh my god, they're like, not blonde, they're but you know, super tan. But their hair is like, oh my god, I'm that's sure. amazing. Um, so this kind of like area where these grapes are grown, it's shaped like an amphitheater, so that uh, helps protect it from too much of that wind because you don't sense. want. Yeah. While the wind is great to moderate the climate, you also don't want it blowing your grapes off the goddamn vine. Am I right? Jeez, gee willikers. Oh, jeez. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Uh, so the, sand, the the soil here is marl and st- sandstone, uh, and it went through a maceration and fermentation in amphora. Fine. Before getting tra- before getting transferred to stainless steel, then eight months in French oak. Hey. This wine's fucking delicious. <clears throat> May I ask how much it costs? This one is a pretty good price point. I think this one is like sixteen dollars. Uh, what? That's it. Yeah, this one, maybe it was close to 20. Maybe it was 21. Maybe I'm lying. Oh, um, this it. is, it's, they're kind of hard to find Cannonouts. You kind of have to. They kind of are, yeah. yeah. You you see like one or two every once in a while, um, but I feel like they go really fast because they're just so good. Yeah, when you find one, snatch it up. Um, this is the last, bo- I, I bought a bottle of this before from Division Wines, and I got the last bottle. And mm-hmm. this one is like, it's granite, it's clay pot, it's flint, it's cherry, and it is. It's super gamey. Um, it does have a little bit of like blood orange. I think something that we don't didn't really mention with some of these lighter bodied Grenaches is that they can take on a little bit of a citrus character, which we know is a little bit more common to white wines. But in the Sardinian, um, you know, Cannonau, I think is where you're really gonna see more like candied kind of citrus. Oh, uh, 100%. Stuff. Blood orange is like right on the money. It kind of has that tartness and sweetness of a blood orange. Mm. Oh, this is great. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. It's 2018, so it's a little bit young, but I feel like it doesn't doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, I think this. I I do want to try and get some more uh, wines from this producer. I think he it's also very makes, juicy. Yeah. But still very balanced with those like earthy flavors. Yum. Very delicious. Well, Very delicious. I was going to do a mystery wine because I wanted Adrian to see if she could distinguish if the wine was from Spain or from Italy, but I was a big fucking dum-dum <laughs> and was talking about it and kind of blew, what's, what's, what's a, hmm, blew the cat out of the water? That's not the phrase. <laughs> 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 Let the cat out of the bag. Ah, uh, yes. I kind of like. I like blew, blew the, the cat, cat out of the water. <laughs> <laughs> I really blew the cat out of the water with that one. <laughs> um, so we're gonna have another cannon out now. We could also come back to it at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's do, do that. that. Okay. Let's do that. Oh. We'll come back later. I, w- I did notice that when I was, um, not to be like, but my France one, uh, when I was <laughs> sipping more of it, even though it was still so like big and structured, it, it, it kept getting softer and softer. So like if you get a Cote wine that's really tight at the beginning, um, and I feel like when you get ones that are uh, just like Cote or Cote villages, um, they're usually a little bit more fruit forward. But, you know, if, if it's too strong for you, you better... Put it, put it, give a little air. Get a little air. Put, a little the, air. put that put in the, a decanter. If, if you don't have a decanter, just use like your biggest mason jar. I don't know. Yeah, there you go. Some, I've literally seen people like put something in a decanter and then just like pick it up and shake it. So it's really just getting air in there. Exactly. And you can do it in a blender. Yes. Yep. That's the. You can. You can do it. You can bl- <laughs> Will it blend? <laughs> Wasn't that a YouTube series? It was. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's uh, let's move along into the new world. Uh, a whole new, new world. world. I like how we were both. Just, we were just right there. We were ready for to sing that Aladdin song. <laughs> um, we're gonna move over into the Columbia Valley, which oh. I am all about. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, the Columbia Valley technically can be both Oregon and Washington, but it's predominantly Washington because it stretches all the way from uh, the Columbia valley gorge area into western washington um it has a bajillion 
AVA is in it, mm-hmm. <laughs> American Viticultural uh, Areas, if you didn't know. And they keep adding more. So it's definitely something to keep your eye on. Don't sleep on it. Um, they make a lot of, they have a lot of similarities with the warmer regions in France and they grow a lot of the varieties that warmer regions in France do. So they grow a lot of Bordeaux blend, uh, Bordeaux grapes, style grapes, and um, also a lot of Rhone style grapes and blends. Um, but there's all kinds of things going on out there and there's just so many, so many appellations that they all have something a little bit different to offer. So focusing again here on Grenache, um, you're definitely going to find that quite a bit out there, especially in the drier region regions once you keep going, uh, more and more East. So the one that I had that I drank that we're having today <laughs> was from Walla Walla, uh, which is a really, really dry area. In fact, once you get past the Columbia Gorge, Everything out there sees 300 or more days of sunshine a year. It's sunny out there. It's sunny. It's windy. um, And if you talk to anybody out there, you're going to get an earful about uh, the geological events that that precluded all of this wine growing, which um, there was a lot of volcanic soil out there. And then there's also a lot of windblown loose soil because... Uh, this event happened called the Missoula floods basically came uh, once everything unfroze after the ice age and then dumped actually I don't know if it's the ice age there was a big it came from Montana and it dumped a bunch of like kind of washed out the area made it into a valley um, and basically just like kind of dumped out on the other side and so there's a lot of like interesting I'm blurring my words here because we've just had a bunch of Grenache. Fifteen and a half percent. So there's a lot of interesting expressions because you're going to get interesting deposits of um, different soil types out there. So anyways, keep that in mind. And if you ever go out to the Columbia Valley, people are going to tell you in detail about it a lot better than I just did. (laughs) did a good... Hey, you don't... Thank you. You don't second Thank you. Good job. Uh, Michael and I actually went out here last, out to the Columbia Valley last year. We rented a van. We called it um, Vaniversary. Mm, Vaniversary and was awesome. I wasn't on it, but I saw pictures. Vaniversary was fucking great. Um, <laughs> God, I wish I was on Vaniversary again. <laughs> um, and we went through a bunch of different regions there and tried a bunch of different wines. And, and like, yeah, reds out there are just, just so big and so beautiful. Um, you're going to see a lot of Cabernet Sauvignon, a lot of Merlot, a lot of Grenache, and Syrah. The Syrahs out there are just absolutely incredible. So the wine that I picked today is another Rhone-style blend. Um, actually has less Grenache in it than the Chateauneuf du Pape. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is produced by Owen Rowe, which is a really, really big producer out in the Columbia Valley. Um, they have... Uh, they have vineyards in a bunch of different places. This one's specifically from the Yakima Valley. And it is uh, 55% Grenache, 17, 19% Syrah, 17% Moved, and uh, 9% Cinso. Cinso, I guess is how you should say it. And the 9% Cinso is interesting because it was partially uh, carbonically macerated to bring out more fruitiness. From that particular grape. From just that grape, that 9%. That would make sense because that grape's pretty tight. Yeah. Pretty tight. Pretty tight. Um, this label specifically is uh, Sinister Hand, so that's their their Rhone blend. Um, this is really really good. It got ninety uh, percent, uh, or sorry, not ninety percent, ninety points in Wine Spectator. Um, and I always, I don't know, I, I kind of stay away from gimmicky labels sometimes. It has like a, a hand that's bleeding on it, and I was like, okay, whatever. <laughs> but so it's really to be like good. Australia. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've seen this, but I've never bought it. Mm. Yeah, I would I would buy it again. Um, it's definitely going to be fruitier, more fruit forward than the ones that we were tasting from France and Spain. Um, this one has a real kind of grilled meat quality Ooh, to it. I was going to say right yeah. off the bat, I'm like, is this barbecue sauce? It literally smells like a grilled tenderloin or steak tips mm. or something like that. I also got um, fig. Um, baked plum, uh, clove, and black pepper. Like, mm. even though it's so fruit forward, it's still pretty spicy. Mm. And I, you know, a lot of that is from the blend. I'm sure. Um, also, too, when you take a look at the color, it's 
much more purple. <laughs> it is. It's oh, it's got like a <clears throat> kind of a cinnamony. Yeah. Thing going on, like a like a cookie. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> cookie. <laughs> Cookies. Childhood candy. Cookies. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, New World wines are going to be way more fruit-forward, typically. Um, I can smell some, I sm- uh, like, is there wood on this one? I don't know. Is there wood contact? <laughs> I need to know um, about this hashtag, wood contact. Let me, you know what, let me find out, because I had that, like, little... Um, yeah, I'm just getting, like, some cedary, kind of vanilla-y... Yeah, it definitely it definitely tastes like it spent some time in some oak. It doesn't say anything about what what it was aged in. So mm. Thanks, Owen Rell. That's all right. That's okay. Oh, this hand it's like a it's like a knight's glove. Yeah. Like the riveting on the interesting. No, it's kind of cute. Fun fact about Owen Rell. Um, it was named after uh, a. Irish patriot in 17th century who stood for political equality and freedom. Maybe that's his hand that got chopped off. Maybe. Because it's a bloody hand. It's a bloody hand. It's a bloody hand. Oops. Oh, wow. Wow, yeah. One more wine left. Grenache around the world. One more wine. One more wine. This wine is so good. It's so interesting. Um, this is uh, another Cannonau. And it's Paula is the producer, and it's Paula e Fiori. So e Fiori means the flower. <gasps> I love this one. I I know this producer. Yeah. This is the first time I've ever had a Cannon out was uh, this producer. Yeah, so this was a winery Beautiful. founded in 1950. Uh, the third generation is in charge now. The vineyard has a 35-year-old vines. They do the vine training, the bush, the bush training, the Arborello. And the aging is in cement stainless steel tanks. And it's so funny that they call this wine the flower because this wine is so floral, cool. but like not in a bad way. I don't know. I tend to like floral wines, white and red. I know that's not everyone's like a uh, cup of tea, but it's just so delicious. It's very dark. It for... is. <clears throat> But this is a wine that's like so complex. Like I didn't have to even like immediately. I could just call out, call it out. It's strawberry. It's pink grapefruit. Yeah. It's rhubarb. Um, it's a little little raspberry. It's a little hibiscus. It's so good. Just so so wonderful. Yeah. This is a 2018. Um, I'm sure it would probably only improve with a little bit more age. Um, unfortunately, I had to order this from wine.com. I, I don't care. It's all right. <laughs> uh, and I think, you know, you know, we do wine.com orders every so often when they have sales because <laughs> it's expensive to <laughs> ship wine. Mm-hmm. But this is a wine that I would absolutely buy again Yeah. from wine.com. I'd buy a case of this. <laughs> and I would, I, you know, I actually kind of want to taste some of his other wines because he tends to, um, he also showcases some of the uh, other grapes of the region as well. Cool. Uh, he does a Vermentino. Vermentino being yes, the I've main, seen that one. Yeah. yeah, that's the main white grape uh, of the island. So I like Vermentino as well. I like because it it has that like petrol, super petrol. <laughs> yeah, super petrol. Uh, a lot of salinity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love a Vermentino. So yeah, Sardinia and Corsica uh, to the north, which is owned by owned by France. Owned by France. <laughs> but they make very similar uh, styles of wine in Corsica. Sardinia. Well, this was a wonderful paradigm. This was. Yeah. It really just goes to show you how the same grape can be so different. <laughs> so different. So crazy. What a wacky day. What a wacky thing. <laughs> um, and like I said, if you don't like Grenache, you're a monster. So go tra- go try a bunch yeah, of different yeah, styles back, yeah. of Grenache. Um, go buy a bunch of Cote d'Aron because those are great, great blends yeah. for really affordable prices. Um, I had I ordered alongside the Chateauneuf. I got one that was like I don't know, Cotteron Villages, and it was like fifteen bucks. <laughs> so, well, well, we have to do seven things. We do have to do seven things. Oh my god! Oh my god! We're coming to this. It's happened. Oh boy! All right, this... you go first this oh, time. There's a lot to digest here. Hmm. <sighs> well, uh, I'm gonna have to go with the Paula Cannonell first. 
And then strawberries, beautiful, like a freeze-dried strawberry. Oh yeah, it just just keeps tickling your tongue with different things. Uh, so the Paula, and then I would probably do the Chateau Neuf de Pop, and then it's probably a tie between my first Cannonau and my uh, Espalte Grenache from the, the Nipple of Spain. <laughs> Uh, and then I will probably do the, you know, the Owen Rowe. It's funny. The Owen Rowe and the Brecca are kind of, pretty yeah. similar. The Brecca's, I mean, and by that I mean as far as having the bigger fruit flavors. The Brecca is way more alcohol and a lot bigger uh, punch in your butt. <laughs> it's a, it it's a, a butt puncher. It's a butt puncher. <laughs> you know when they say punchovers? <laughs> That's what it reminds me of is, is butt punchers. It's a butt puncher. It's a butt puncher. Um, but I thought the signature was a little bit more approachable. I think this Breca actually might benefit from some decanting, mm-hmm. even though it's not like super high end. Uh, not that you only need to decant high end wines, but no. you know what I mean. Uh, well, maybe you don't. Anyway, I'm going to shut up and. Uh... All right, Hallie. Yeah. With your. Il e fiori, Cananau du Sardinia. Cananau, not du. We're not in France. Cananau di Sardinia. <laughs> you monster! How dare you switch up? How there? dare I? <laughs> what are these seven things you would do while enjoying this wine? <sighs> I would probably finally start assembling my robot army. Wow! I'm feeling ambitious. That is a wine of ambition. I it, love it. One. I would tend to my tomato garden. Oh, that's also ambitious, too. (laughs) I would smuggle my little dog. Mr. Sir Prince Archibald. Prince Archibald. Archibald Pants Marochak. Lieutenant Baby Man. The one, the only. (laughs) Uh, That was three? Three. Four. I would make olive oil. Wow, that's ambitious. Yeah, I think I would probably just like, I take that back. I would break into somebody else's olive oil mill. Oh. Make my own. Yeah, I'm breaking the law. Also ambitious. Five. (laughs) That was five, right? Probably. Yeah. I would uh, weave a rug on a loom, pioneer style. Again, ambitious. Six. (laughs) Um, I want to make a uh, upside down... Kentucky bourbon cake. I don't know. I want to make a cake with a lot of whiskey in it and like a, yes. like a heavy syrup. I just like I don't know. I fucking love booze in cakes. Yeah, I want like a, I want to make a booze cake. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. I, I might do some baking this weekend inspired by that. Make a booze cake. Seven. Postmate me a piece. Yeah, well. <laughs> Can do they, do they do Postmates for each people's food? Like cake delivery? Uh, there's some program that, like, you can make other people food, but I think you have to be, like, a, somebody who owns a restaurant. Oh, yeah. But, I miss um, restaurants. Yeah. Oh, God, I miss restaurants. Seven. Seven, seven things. things. Uh, I am going to take a quick snapperoonie of all these delicious wines yeah. we have for our Instagram, uh, Bottle Blondes Wine, where you can find all sorts of lovely content, including information about wines you can buy locally here in Portland, Oregon, and just some fun facts about wine. Oh, that was my girl making a noise that you may not know about. Tink, tink. Adrian, tink. What's, your, what's your ranking? My ranking here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a good, good question. Um... This is hard. I I really, really liked this one. Okay, I think I think I'm gonna keep it very similar. And um, but I do think I'm gonna swap out. Um, I really wanna. I'm gonna use this one for my seven things too. This Garnacha Negra from the Spelt. I'm gonna swap that with the Cannonau. And then, yeah, I'm gonna keep the Sinister Hand second to last, and then that that other one, the Breca. Uh, not because I didn't like it. You know what I really want is like I want a I want like a really impressive like ten course 
Spanish meal with it. Yeah, it just... like it 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 commands and demands. Commands and demands. You're commander and demander. Commander and demander of food, of like excess. <laughs> like that's what I want with it. Yeah, it's it's a wine of excess for sure. Um, so I'm gonna do this as spelt. Yeah, lovely really? choice. Yeah, it's. I really want to revisit it. Yeah, it's good. God, I suck at pouring wine today. <laughs> it's a real, it's a real drippy situation over <laughs> here. <laughs> uh, another STD. Um. <laughs> Shit, girl, you got the drippy situation. Oh, you got the drippy situation. Oh, gross. Oh, damn, girl. <laughs> mm. I don't know. I feel like the drippy situation would probably be more of like a like a man prevalent STD. Yeah, actually, that's true. We didn't. We never specified whether these STDs affect men or women. Mm, I'm gonna go all men on this one. Okay. <laughs> men of the world. Watch out. <laughs> Spice up your life. People in the world. La 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 la. I revisited the Spice Girls recently. It was Good. lovely. It was lovely. That sounds fun. It was. Their sad songs are sad. <laughs> <laughs> Look for the rainbow in every star. Okay, that made wow. me. I don't know. Whenever Sporty Spice sang, I was uncomfortable. She oh, was yeah. She was, she was not well. She was not the best. She was doing well. She was also doing poorly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I digress. Adrian. Yes. Uh, seven things you would do uh, while drinking this granacha from the nipple of Spain called Espelt. I think that I would uh, start cultivating some, some bees. Is that ambitious i know ambitious ambitious um yeah i'd start a beehive in my backyard even though i'm fucking terrified of anything that stings Mm, truth yeah one one um let's see i'd um i'd put up an old-fashioned clothesline 1800s? Yeah. You know, and then I would exclusively only dry my clothing that way from here on out. Ambitious. (laughs) Two. Hallie, I talk about ambition. At at 32 years of age, I would finally learn to drive a stick shift. Oh, three? I can teach you, girl. Yeah, girl. <laughs> I lost my oh my stick anymore. I know you lost your stick. Also, another instant. <laughs> That's for dudes, for sure. Definitely a dude issue. <laughs> oh, dude, you got the stick. Fuck. Oh, you lost your stick again. <laughs> this is like the sixth time this year, man. Jeez. Get checked. Anyways, get um... checked. <laughs> Seriously, this is a PSA. Um, you get, know, get checked regularly and um, don't don't transfer things to your yeah. partners. Fucking respect your sexual partners. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers to that. <laughs> <laughs> How many was that? Is that four? I lost track. I think that was three. Three. Oh, okay. My, that was probably three. Ooh, this is a little... Mm. I just got some blueberry jam. I was getting like these like honeyed vibes. Oh yeah. That's why I said bees. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, this is opening up nice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> wow. 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 I would act like Owen Wilson for one full day. Ambitious. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> Have you seen the soup, the YouTube supercut evolve his wife? Yes. Oh, it's just, it really so puts good. a smile on your face. It really does. It really or does. the ones that um, other people doing activities. I think my favorite is uh, people going through those, uh, like the skiers, the Olympic skiers going through the little poles that, you know, bend oh, back yeah. and forth. And every time they hit one of those, it's like, wow, 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 wow. <laughs> uh, this is a really old meme, but I'm living for it still. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> There's also uh, one with like lightsabers. Whenever they hit the lightsaber, yes, it's like wham, 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 wham. I think that was five. Yeah, sure. Five. Um, five. Oh boy, what else would I do? Um, Better be 
I'd go, yeah, no, it is, this is ambitious. Um, so I've never really ridden a horse in my life, except maybe at like a, you know, maybe like a, a kid's birthday party or something similar. So I would go horse packing on a horse packing adventure. I don't think you understand. I was talking to our dear friend, uh, Catbag, Spicy Chicken, Smoky Chicken. Smoky Chicken. Smoky Chicken. I am a late bloomer horse girl. <laughs> we'll call it. I really, <laughs> I wasn't into horses as a youth. I'm very I'm into, into horses, horses now. <laughs> you should talk to Michael because his dad is like really into horse backpacking. And like, this is, this is in our future. I really want to go horseback riding or learn. I almost got some lessons on um, Groupon this year. Oh my god! Yeah, I almost did. I was you better close. treat yourself once this COVID madness is over. To some pony lessons. Just a pony. Oh yeah, keep going. And I have to find those okay. uh, California surfer bro horses. Um, so let's see. I think that was six. It was. Let's say that was it six. Was. Okay, last one. We're going real slow. It's totally, so it's fine. totally fine. We are drinking a lot of high alcohol wine. <laughs> so, I would start and finish all in one go, Anna Karenina. Fuck ambitious. Seven. Seven things. That's that's ambitious. That's a, it's a lot book of I've always wanted to read, but like. That story's fucked up. Hell yeah. It's so fucked up. Oh, man. When males used to write women as <laughs> suicidal nutbags. <laughs> okay, here's the horses. All right, ready for Hysteria. California. Oh my god. Horses. Oh my god, they have the little California bangs. They, they do. They look crimped, blonde, fucking bangs, and they're like tan. And I could just imagine them talking to each other like, nay, bro, nay. Nay, bro. Nay, bro. This, this crop this year is. Fucking dope, bro. Dude, dude, I just like tilled some soil so hard. That that soil till slaps. <laughs> Fucking love that expression. Uh, it is a great expression. That's great. Thank you, uh, people younger. Also, than me. the slap. Also, sounds like an STD. <laughs> the slap, the stick, the drip. Don't get them. Don't get it. But do you listen to Bottle Blast? Yes. Yes. Thank uh, you. Thank you for Sticking tuning in. With us. Yeah. yeah. I feel like there's so many, so many things. Like, the fact that we only have, or we have a bunch of wines. We have one, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> Counting. Counting. Ambitious. Ambitious. Um, six wines in front of us. And yet, there's so much more Grenache out there. There's a bunch of Grenache, uh, I feel like, too, in Australia that we didn't even touch on. Oh, yeah. That on. would be, like, probably the next. Grenache was one of the first grapes that was brought to Australia. Yeah. And so. it was more popular than Shiraz until Shiraz took hold. So... I mean, there's so much around the world, so go go enjoy some Grenache. And remember, if you don't go enjoy it, you're a monster. Go back under the bed. <laughs> Bye! Bye.